Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. It's the Rem and Sam podcast. Another Tuesday, another weekday edition of the Rem and Sam podcast. Our guy Ian Fadaport checking in. We got him for a little bit tonight. So I don't know, Ian, I know we're going to talk a lot of playoffs. I know the wildcard weekend was a, a wacky weekend, but we might have to pivot this and just into a live Nuggets Sixers watch party. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've been following your team at all lately, but this Nuggets Sixers game, there was a potential for a second that it looked like none of the, the entire starting five for the Nuggets was on the injury report today. All of them were questionable. So I was like, okay, is this going to be Jokic Embiid? Jokic Embiid last year had a couple of matchups where the guys missed each other, especially down the stretch. But both guys are playing tonight, and it has been, I mean, they're going shot for shot. It's tied right now, five minutes left, five, a little, little under six minutes left in the second quarter, 57-57. And they've just been going shot for shot. I think at one point, Jokic and Embiid, we're both out and the Nuggets pulled away a little bit, but like the biggest lead has maybe been like seven or eight at this point. When was the last time you checked in on your team? Has it been, has it been within the calendar year 2024? It's, no, it has not been. It's, it's <laughs> been a while. Like I, I, I picked them just because of like Denver Broncos fan. If I'm going to have an NBA team, I'll have them. But like, uh, I, I still don't really follow the NBA and basketball together. So I, I check in on them once in a while. Like I was, I checked in on them during the NBA cup, I think once or twice. But since then, I really haven't looked at anything Nuggets-wise. What a win for the NBA. I like the fact that the in-season tournament was the thing that piqued your interest because that was definitely the goal. So I feel like we need to boost your, like, what is in your, your, like, what do you follow on Instagram right now for NBA accounts? Do you follow the league at all? Do you follow NBA? I don't. I think, like, I follow Bleacher Report, so they do, like, basketball, football. They do, like all sports wrapped up in the so like house of highlights but other than that i don't really follow i i see their clips but i don't think i follow them oh you don't even follow house of highlights i don't think so neither neither does the champ shout out the champ uh we'll get to his lions in a, a little bit when we get to the wild card stuff yeah. but uh he, he i don't think he follows because it's like a a LeBron James thing. He's just like, it's to every other post is LeBron. So I don't need to follow, you know, LeBron highlights for house of highlights, but you're just out on how, cause like they just do like NFL, you know, general stuff. It's just like a good yeah. general follow. It's not even a NBA centric thing. Yeah. I mean, I see their highlights from time to time. Like I see some of their clips, but I don't think I follow them. I think their clips will show up like after I scroll through my following and then it's like, Oh, suggested House of Highlights, and it's like an NBA clip. I'll watch that, and it just keeps scrolling. I feel like House of Highlights is just a, a good place to start because, it, like I said, you're going to get the other – the NBA is just going to get filtered in. So you're not even going to – it's not going to be like, you know, you're really trying to focus on NBA stuff. Maybe, you know, follow the Nuggets since they're your team. I feel like yeah. maybe maybe like a like a funny one too. Let me see if I follow any meme accounts real quick. We can shout them out. Cause that's another one. Cause like ghetto Gronk, if you're going to do the NFL, it's like a must follow. The only I follow, I follow ghetto Gronk and NFL memes. I think those are the only two meme sports accounts that I have. I don't even NBA follow like memes. the MLB memes account because they're honestly just not funny. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I haven't really seen an NBA memes post in my algorithm in a while, but so maybe I don't know. Maybe scratch that one off. But House of Highlights would be a good place to start if uh, you want to yeah. try dipping your toes into the 
NBA world. Do you follow? Do you follow any of the Colorado Buffalo stuff at all? Do you follow like Dion? Do you follow the Colorado football? Do you follow Shador? No, I mean I follow I follow like their stuff throughout the season when it's on like the big media pages and stuff. But like now but you don't actually follow. Season, no, like I don't follow like their actual pages. And now that the season's over, I haven't really heard. Any- okay, let me know if this is petty, but this is what I do for college guys, and it's not. I don't do this in like a a bad way, and I I guess I'll say this is like what I used to do back in the day more so than what I do now. But like I would follow a guy while he was on the team. So like McCarthy, for example, follow him. And then once he declares, then unfollow him because he's no longer on Michigan. <laughs> or sometimes I've done that with like a couple of Spurs or like Colts players in the past. I'm trying to think. Rocky Sin. I used to follow Rocky Sin. I, I followed him when we <laughs> drafted him back in the day. And then he was a second round pick when we drafted him, but he was like our first pick that year. So he was the number one pick for the Colts. And I followed him. And then when he left in free agency, had to yep. hit the unfollow because he wasn't the Colts starting corner. Is that petty? Is that is that, is that social so. media petty? I don't think acceptable? it's petty. I mean, when the Broncos had KJ Hamler, I followed him on Twitter, but I don't follow him anymore. Where's he at? He's not on the Broncos? Uh, well, no, they cut him a while back because he was having some sort of medical problem. Mm. And, with, oh. and then they expected to sign him back, and they never did. And then he ended up on a, I think either a practice squad or on a team somewhere. I forget what team. But. You guys got Marvin Mims too, so yeah, you don't really. They're uh, kind of like the same guy. Mims might be a little bit better, even. Oh yeah, I think Mims is the guy that would win the reps in the camp, anyways. Yeah. Speaking of social media, I feel like I need your advice on something uh, quickly. So. You know how if you're going through like snap stories, you can like if you do like the swipe up thing, you can like react. You can like send a react to uh-huh. somebody and you can send like the oh, little God. like bitmoji things or whatever. Well, I was I was tapping yeah. through stories real quick the other day and I didn't realize I was like tapping through. I was at the gym, too. So I was like kind of like half looking and I was tapping through quick and I definitely fat fingered a reaction to some chick and then. It was it was early in the morning. So I like I was like, oh wait, what did I just send? What kind of reaction? Of course it was like the worst one that you could possibly send. Had to immediately delete and then just clear the conversation, totally pretend like nothing happened. Is oh, that is no. that is that just the right way to do it? Do you just have to just totally delete, ignore ghost, get out of there? Uh, I mean, do you, if do you like, acknowledge it, how would you how would you handle de- that? If you fat finger a reply, how would you do it? I know our guy Ian Fatiport's savvy with the with the DMs, he knows how to he knows if, how to make it work. Okay, I don't know if I'd go that far, <laughs> but I mean, if like if she noticed it first, then just be like, oh yeah, my bad, I was flipping through stories and I accidentally pressed one, and then her reaction, you just go from there. But like, if she hasn't seen it yet and you notice that you did it, just text just text the chick and be like, hey, I didn't mean to do that, my bad. Don't delete I, it. Just 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 say you're sorry, so they can at least see what you did on accident because. If you delete it quickly and then they see that you just random, they like I have a randomly deleted snap from a person they don't know, they're going to be like, oh, what the fuck did this guy just send me? Yeah, and I'm not even saying like this is a, a person I wanted to necessarily, you know, yeah. start up a conversation with, but just, you know, in principle and how to like handle these types of things. So you think you just, you leave it and then you address it later? Yeah. You I actually mean, leave it in there as a conversation starter? It's not that, it's not that big of a deal if you think about it. 
it is. It's not. I mean, it, that is like actually what happens. So, I mean, you don't even have yeah. to like lie or make up a big story. I mean, you just and then, you know, if they say whatever, you just you move on again. If you don't want it really or not that committed, you just you start right. up. But. It's all about just like reading the room at that point. Like if they text back and they like seem like, why the hell did you just text me? Leave me alone. You just say, OK, sorry. And you let it go. But if they like if they like have like long replies for like a couple oh. sentences instead of just like, a, OK, you're good. And maybe maybe it turns into something oh, yeah. like. You never know. You never know. Do you have any go to like DM lines that you use? I've been how did in a you get your did, for five years. I was going to say, so how did, did you slide into DMs? Uh, I, this was like. Was it like a swipe up on a story? I think 2019, I added her on Snapchat. Yeah. And then I think I swiped up on a story. Mm. And then it's just from there, we just were talking. And then four and a half years later, here I am. But it wasn't a fat finger. It was uh, an no. intentional. Oh, no, that was intentional. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I think that's why it's uh been able to work out for four and a half years. So there you go, kids. If you fat finger a DM, just leave it in there and uh, say what's up afterwards. So to get to uh some of the wild card action this weekend, I don't. Did you? Did they have like a stat at all for what the margin of victory was in the games outside of that Lions, uh, Lions Rams game this weekend? Nothing that just I saw, off- but I'm sure it was pretty high. Yeah, I mean, just off the top, it seemed like it had to be three touchdowns. I know at one point, at one point in the broadcast throughout the games, they had said the margin was a victory was three touchdowns throughout the weekend. I think it may have been even going into that Lions Rams game. But then, you know, then then Monday, Monday, the day after the two more games that follow, you get the postponed Bill Steelers game is not really that close in terms of score 31 17. And then the Bucks Eagles game as well, too. Uh, 30 was it 32 to 9 37 to 9 9 at the end of that one so the margin of victory basically stayed the same throughout the weekend and i mean that's i don't want to say that that's a first or like an historic thing or whatever but definitely like odd that all the games were is there a big takeaway at all from the fact that the outside of you know the one other the one game this weekend that all these games were like so desperate like the scores were so far apart I just like when it comes to the games that I saw the like how the only close one was Rams line that was a one point game and then every other game was a 10 point uh 10 plus point win. I just think other than that Lions Rams games those uh matchups were just like teams who are built to beat the team they were playing. So like the Bucks mm. uh against the Eagles especially like the Eagles in their last six games have had one of the worst secondaries in the NFL and Baker Mayfield did he exposed that 337 passing yards three touchdowns did exactly what he needed to do. Uh, when you look at the Packers game, uh, I don't I don't know why this is the case, but this year they've been kind of weak against the run. And you look at Aaron Jones, 118 rushing yards, uh, which that run game we all know in the NFL, if you get the ball going on the ground, you're going to get the ball going in the air. And that's what Jordan Love was able to do after that. Uh, and then you look at the Browns-Texans game, like uh, that Texans – uh, secondary is great with uh, the quarterbacks who just kind of throw the ball away under pressure. It's exactly what they made Flacco do, and it ended up being three interceptions from it. So I just think those teams were just perfectly set up to be able to beat the team that they were playing, and that's why the margin of victory was so high. So we can start with the first game of the weekend, then. This might be a perfect example of the matchups you're talking about because, I mean, the Browns all year have statistically, I mean, it's basically them and the Ravens at the top of the league for 
best defense. The Texans, however, with Stroud, of course, we know the high-powered offense. And I think there is also some stats this year, if you look at the home road splits for the Browns defense, that there's like a dramatic difference when they go when they have to go play in somebody else's field. And of course, the Browns this year, wildcard team, Texans won the AFC South. The Browns have to go on the road to Houston. So I don't know if that played a part in it. Was it was it was it the road? Was it Flacco? Was it the again the Texans high powered offense just being a, a bad matchup? Or was was the Browns defense like kind of fraudulent? I don't want to say fraudulent, but again, there was some dramatic differences there in the the home road split. So was there a matchup thing here? Like you're saying, the Texans are just beat to Bills built beat to built to beat the uh, built to beat the Browns or were the Browns actually had some issues like we were saying on the road that were exposed in this matchup? I think uh, I like how you said with the road failures they've had this season. Uh, one I can think of is when they played the Broncos earlier in the year, their defense was number one in the league at that point, And they came in and just didn't really have an effect on the Broncos offense. And it was kind of the same thing in this game. Uh, so the Texans, they came out when they came out on offense, they were prepared to go down the field and score on you. Uh, they got the ball going in the air. Very good. Uh, CJ Stroud ended up uh, with 274 passing yards and three touchdowns, averaging 13 yards per completion. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball with Flacco and his offense, uh, exactly what the Texans were able to do is they just got him under pressure. They sent a lot of guys at him. And when he gets into those situations, he's not really the type to throw it out of bounds. He just kind of uses his arm to try to make a play down the field. And two times in this game, we saw it exactly what happened. He made a bad throw. It turned into a pick. And uh, those turned into defensive touchdowns. And that's just, you can't do that in the playoffs and expect to win a football game. Just some of the numbers, too. So when the Browns were at home this year, they were only giving up 3.7 yards per play versus on the road over five and a half. That is, if you break it down, rushing 3.9 rush yards per attempt to 4.7. Passing yards, 4.7 pass yards per attempt at home to 7.2 pass yards attempt on the road. And it's not like the quarterback ratings are necessarily great all year against them. 64 on the road versus 86 at home. But I mean, the passing game definitely exposed them for this one. If you're If you're the Browns, what would you, who would you rather have put back in this game for them in this playoff matchup? If you could bring back Nick Chubb, who got hurt week, week, was that week two? The knee injury goes down. And then, you know, you can, you get that run element in there with Flacco a little bit. Or would you just replace Flacco with Deshaun Watson, who, you know, think- the numbers, the numbers were up and down, but maybe, you know, you get the upside of Deshaun Watson. Right. And, uh, like if you were to put Deshaun Watson in there, you could like label it as a revenge game because the Texans traded him out. Mm. But I think I think Nick Chubb would have definitely had the better impact on this game. They only had 56 rushing yards as a team. Uh, so when you come out on offense and the defense just expects you to pass, pass, pass every single play, every single drive, uh, eventually they're going to be able to box you up, and that's what the Texans did. But if you can add the compliment of Nick Chubb and how dominant he is in the rush game on top of Joe Flacco's arm ability in the last five games of this season – I think they definitely would have had a much better result and probably would have even won this game if they could get something going on the ground. Did you like what Flacco was on this team? I mean, again, the numbers were really good for him at the end of the regular season, but the interception numbers were high. And I think, you know, going into the game, I, me and Sam on the Friday pod were just really not sold on. The, he was going to throw interceptions. 
especially like you're saying, the matchup as well. CJ Stroud was probably going to be efficient, probably going to have big plays. That definitely happened. And the turnovers for Flacco in this one were extra devastating as well, too, because they both got ran back for touchdowns. And I think of all like of all of the backups as well, too, that we saw this year, he was one of the ones that definitely performed the best. And they were getting low-key Super Bowl buds. Again, like with the defense and with the way he was like kind of powering that offense, 30 points a game a little bit. Did you were, did you buy in at all to the fact that with Flacco that this team was any kind of legit? Up until this game, yeah, I did. I think uh, before when they had P.J. Walker uh, and DTR, they were definitely a very run-heavy offense just because the arm talent they had didn't really allow them to push the ball down the field as much. Uh, and then they bring in Joe Flacco, who is just known for pushing the ball down the field, making those big throws time and time and again. And he came up big for them in those last games of the season, uh, forced them into that five seed to get them the best wild card spot. But I think uh, eventually, like against this Texans team, it got too obvious to what they were, what their game plan was on offense. Their their goal was always to throw those medium and deep passes, uh, and like their starting running back only had 17 rushing yards in this game. So when you, like I said earlier, like when you just come out and pass, 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 you get too predictable. And if you can't complement your run game with your pass game, then it's just not going to work out for you. So up until this game, I I did like what Joe Flacco was doing, but he just unfortunately did it too many times to a point where the defense had the perfect game plan to stop it. So, I mean, just big picture then, and this has always kind of been the conversation with the Browns, but you get a defense that can, in theory, play this well. Like, do you do you think this team has a window? Because if they do, then the quarterback thing now becomes really interesting. I don't know if it's Flacco replacing Watson long-term, obviously, but now, you know, there's Flacco, maybe he's established a different level that Watson has to play, and if Watson gets to that, you know, maybe you have to start looking elsewhere do you do you think this team has a Super Bowl window right now like is this is this Super Bowl roster if Watson comes back and plays well enough when he's healthy I think they have a Super Bowl caliber defense but even with Watson out there and Nick Chubb I don't know if it's the type of offense that you can call caliber uh they do have a very good receiving threat in David Njoku and they also have Amari Cooper but other than that in the receiving game there's just not a lot of depth right there so I think if they could, if they can get Deshaun Watson healthy, Nick Chubb healthy, and try to add to their receiving core in the draft, maybe draft another wide receiver to follow Amari Cooper, then I could definitely see uh, their playoff pushes happening in the next two to three years. But it, it's just all going to depend on how they can build those weapons around Watson. Would you keep Cooper? Because I think with his, he's kind of on one of, yeah, I think he's twenty million plus next year. But they can, I trade him or release him and potentially save some money on the cap. Would you keep him around? He is. Yeah, he's definitely a big cap hit and he is getting up there in age, but he doesn't seem like he's slowing down in his production. And if this team wants a a deep physical receiver, I don't know if there's a lot of guys on the market other than him that could play that role better. So if I, if I were the Browns, I would keep them, try to build around him. If they do end up trying to trade him for something back or even cutting him just to save the cap space, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that receiving core. But if I was them, I would keep him. And looking at the draft, too, they don't have their first-round pick this year. It goes to the Texans because of that Deshaun Watson trade. So in a first round with a ton of receivers, yeah. let me see where that where that pick would end up being at. Their first pick for the, the first pick for the Browns this year is the number 54 pick. It's a uh, second rounder. 
their pick this year would be the 23rd pick. So right now on Tankathon, so the Browns would have the 23rd pick. And on Tankathon, the 24th pick is Keon Coleman, who I don't know. You put so are, are, are you saying like you put Keon Coleman on the Browns? Is it a Super Bowl team? Like, are they that that kind of close? I think it has the it definitely has a higher potential to be that kind of team with Keon Coleman. Like he's been a stud in college uh, and it helps that he had a Heisman candidate quarterback passing him the ball for 11 games this season. But if you can if you can get a receiver like that, who he is, he is kind of quick. He has a good frame and he'll go up and catch the ball, put him on the other side of Amari Cooper with the Sean Watson's arm talent. And then you can run the ball with Nick Chubb and even Jerome Ford as a backup running back, still very efficient. Uh, then I could I could definitely see it happen, but I think I think they're just a couple small steps away from getting there. So even with the fifty fourth pick, they Tankathon has them taking a receiver as well. So receiver just is that clear number one offseason need for for I think, the team. I think receiver would be a good way to start if they can try to even more than this, quarterback. I don't know. Like it's the same situation as the Broncos. You can't really go out and pay that guy that much money and expect to be able to trade him. And like, I know the Broncos plan on probably cutting Wilson uh, around March time after uh, he clears physical and everything so that we don't have to pay him an extra 37 million. That's still going to be a giant cap hit. And with how much guaranteed money that the Browns gave Deshaun Watson, it'd probably be even larger. So I can't see them trying to make a like drastic turn away from him this quickly. Can you, do you still like him as a player? I think he has I, – that's a hard decision to make, honestly, because it still seems like we haven't seen enough of him since he's come back to make that decision. Mm-hmm. He's and had he so many always, injury problems. And he's always, like, playing a little bit better, too, kind of by the end. I know toward the end of last year, the last couple of games, some of the numbers he was putting up, you know, he wasn't – he was at least being a little bit more efficient than he was to start the stretch last year. And the last three games he played this season, he was 240 yards a game, five touchdowns, one pick, and a 101 quarterback rating. And I I went back and looked at that Ravens game, too, that they played earlier in the year where they actually beat the Ravens, one of the Ravens, few Ravens losses this season. And they, they, the thing is, they did run the ball well in that game. Jerome Ford had a good game. It's not, Deshaun Watson was actually like pretty bad to start. I think he was like one for 10 at one point with uh, an interception. So like the 101 quarterback rating, I think I test, I think for everybody that was watching Brown's games, it didn't necessarily feel like Watson was playing at a a 101 quarterback rating level. I get that's, you know, some of it is him cutting down on the interceptions, but is it tougher too now, just because there's a lot more younger quarterbacks in the league and it just seems like there's a lot, maybe more attractive talent that you would rather have. Like, would you rather have Watson or Trevor Lawrence? Uh, definitely, like, just like first thought, Trevor Lawrence would probably be the better option there. And if he can somehow get back to the way he was playing before he, had, he went through all the suspension stuff, I think, like, his, like, talent and, like, the way that his game is, like, built – would succeed in this in this era of the NFL because he was able to use his feet to get far and then uh, he would also make those big throws and I think that's kind of what the NFL is shifting to you want a dual threat quarterback who can who can beat you downfield or can uh, make you push everybody back in coverage and then just run the ball for a first down like every single play I think that would succeed but we just haven't really seen that version of him ever since then so it just depends on if he can get back there 
would if you're Atlanta, would you? I get is he worth a first round pick at this point? Like if if you're Atlanta, would you trade the eighth pick overall for him in the draft instead of drafting one of the younger guys? For That's tough too with the contract. Yeah, is he a second round pick kind of guy? Yeah, with the I mean a so third? much guaranteed. It depends on like if the team would be picking it up. I definitely wouldn't send the eighth overall. Uh, a second? I don't know. May, I'd rather take a gamble on like I'd rather take a gamble on a rookie quarterback in the first or second round than try to trade for Deshaun Watson. Just because I don't know, like in the games that we've seen, they haven't been great. But we, in my opinion, we also haven't seen enough to like get a fairly judged rating on Deshaun Watson right now in the NFL. Yeah, it's uh, I think with the contract, it's going to be tough to move him. And the thing is, I think one of the teams that would be like in need. And I think maybe, I don't know if they'd be desperate enough to do it, but like Pittsburgh would be an interesting, would this team make a desperate quarterback move at some point? The problem is they're in the Browns division. And that just probably logistically is a weird move to make, but I think you're right. I think, I think that's going to be interesting to see where that ends up next year. And I do think that receiver is, I agree with you there, their number one need going into the off season. The Amari Cooper thing will be interesting to see what they do with him. Just because, I mean, they they can they can save the money, but if they cut him, it's like they really have no other receivers. And if they don't have their first round pick, it's going to be tough to get like an elite guy. Some of the guys, I mean, going through Tankathon, like some of the guys that are available it, with the second round pick are like Jalen Polk, Tez Walker. You go down a little bit, you get like Jermaine Burton, Johnny Wilson. You have a lot of Johnny Wilson stock. So, I mean, there are some interesting guys, but I mean, just in terms of the name value guys for the the top of the draft, it would be nice if they could get one of those guys. But the next uh, Saturday game, or well, yeah, Saturday game, the, the Peacock game, the exclusive streaming Peacock game, Chiefs Dolphins, first ever, first ever, a pretty historic game all the way around, I guess, because first ever exclusive playoff streaming game, fourth coldest game. I think just straight up in NFL history. Was it, was that NFL history or playoff history? Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember. I was thinking they were saying it was just straight up NFL history, but did you watch this game on Peacock? Did you sign up for it? I did. did. I already had it. I already had it. So I just watched it on there. And I first, I forgot that I already had it. So I was watching it on just, uh, or no, this was a different game. Yeah, for mm. this one, I did already have it, so I watched it. But for the other NBC game we had this weekend, I also watched that one on Peacock because I was tired of looking at the winter weather stuff on the bottom of the screen. Oh, I didn't even think about that because, yeah, yeah that I did the same yeah, thing. For the Texans game, for the Texans game, I watched it on Peacock as well. Yeah, so I actually signed up for the Texans game. I, I signed up for Peacock during the Texans game. So I was like, well, I'm going to sign up for it anyways later and i can just like watch it on the smart tv at that point instead of having to like watch it on my phone or something on like the nfl app so i just heard like uh you know on like the smaller tv watch it through like the nbc broadcast or something like that so like watch it you know throw it up get just sign up early get it taken care of but i know i know some people were a little suspicious about it i i know on the friday pod too and we did a little bit of math about it so I think they paid like 110 for the game in total, just for that game alone, 110 million. And if you look at like if the app is like six dollars a month, 
that's about 18 million people to make your money back. And they said in the they said in the broadcast for the Rams Lions game, they ran like an ad about the Peacock broadcast. And I believe they said maybe 23 million people viewed that. So they didn't say like how many new subscriptions they generated. You know, who knows? I I know they only had maybe like 30 million previous subscribers or whatever. I just would be curious the more numbers as they filter out, like what kind of success for that. But like the thing is that I think the reason that people were bummed out about the game being on Peacock is because people realized, well, they're going to have to spend $6 to watch an NFL game. It wasn't like, it was like the, the bummer was the fact that the money was already spent. Not that it was like, oh, this game is going to be blocked and I'm not going to be yeah. able to watch it. And that's why they did it because they know that we love football and they knew they knew it was going to get us. Except for Fatiport because the man, was that was that an office thing? Did you have it because of the office? Well, yeah, I read it off as a tax expense, obviously. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm much more willing to spend $6 to watch an NFL game than $6 on a cup of coffee in the morning, like probably Mm. 300 million people do in the world every single day. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal personally. I don't know if we want to put these numbers out there publicly and give the NFL any ideas, but how much would you pay for an NFL game? Like for one singular game? One game. One game? I. Wild card playoff playoff game or regular season game? That changes it. How much would you pay for that Chiefs Dolphins game? Probably up to 15. 15? You wouldn't have done 20? I don't think I would have done 20. $20? You wouldn't have you wouldn't have caved for 20? I think I would have just streamed it illegally if it was 20 bucks for free. Mm. But 15, like for the quality and not have to watch it like three minutes behind, I'd pay 15. But I I don't think I'd do 20. Trying to reload your stream every like eight minutes. How much would you pay Every for the single Super Bowl? Play, it just buffers. Oh, for the Super Bowl? 50 bucks? 50. That's what I was thinking. Would you pay a would you pay so the pay-per-view price for a UFC fight is 80 bucks, 79.99. Would you pay 79.99 for the Super Bowl? I think 50 is the most I would be willing to spend by myself. Anything higher, I'd, I'd get a group of friends and be like, "Okay, we're going to watch it here and we're yeah. going to split the bill." But it's but it's getting yeah. but it's getting bought. The Super Bowl is getting bought regardless. It's getting bought regardless of the price, but 50 bucks is the most I'd spend by myself. Just to sit alone and watch it? <laughs> you yeah. pay 50 yeah. bucks for the Super Bowl? I think I, I think I would too. I think you'd almost have to do it. For a group, getting a group of people together, would you get a group of guys for 100 bucks to watch oh, the yeah. Super Bowl? You get, 200 if you bucks? Get, if you get five guys, it's 20 bucks. Five guys, 50 bucks a What's five guys? Fifty bucks a piece. Two fifty. Fifty. I don't know if I'd find four friends willing to spend fifty bucks on the Super Bowl. Yeah, because there's two of us right here. I I mean, BS two. I don't know. Like in our group, I don't. I don't think there's a lot of people that would be willing to do that. You don't think there's two other people that would spend I don't fifty think bucks so. for the Super Bowl? In our group, I don't think so, dude. <laughs> I feel like if we got Billy on board. Oh, he's a big spender. He's making big money. Yeah, he'd probably do it. I know the man's uh, man's out there doing uh, making several moves right now. But uh, yeah, and that's that's bringing, three cash in. <laughs> that's three people. So I mean, we just need one more. We're almost there. So I think I think the part that's like okay, where does this stop with the NFL? Is again like where like how much do they charge? And I know there's even bigger picture stuff with the fact that they could just like. Do they cut out all of these 
serve like all of these broadcasting broadcasters in general and just go and just sell the games themselves and uh collect all the money that way but the the game itself like we said the two historic things about it was the the streaming and the weather and is is that just the biggest thing for the dolphins in this one because i know there's a there's a tua weather thing oh, like a tua weather stat that they were mentioning in that game where he's never won a game like under 45 degrees but i think the dolphins <laughs> franchise as well too just historically on the road in cold weather in the playoff games they struggle so i mean was it was it the weather was it tua outside of the weather regardless was it like like what was what was the reason that the dolphins what did they end up with seven points in this one yeah i just or nine 9.7 yeah 26 to 7 i Tua just seemed like he played scared the whole game like a lot of the throws he were making was like off his back foot fading away to avoid pressure and like I, I saw a bunch of tweets and stuff. It was just like, when is one of the Dolphins going to realize that they'll lose games every time to a play so soft? And like I, I just agree with he just doesn't seem like he's like in those close games. Is there a way? Like, do you think so? Like, what percentage of the weather is a factor? Because we are experiencing it right now. Like, I mean, this is the the whole Midwest. I mean, you and me both know. Like, at like how cold is it? I would not want to be playing in this. I mean, I get oh, that. No. Maybe you maybe if you get to run it around a little bit, you'll warm up. But I mean, it's like insanely cold. It's like if you open, it's like open your mouth and the spit in your mouth freezes. Like that's if if there's like a gust of wind, like it's like that kind of cold. If you open your mouth and breathe in and out, like the saliva in your mouth will freeze up and you're just going to be chewing on ice. Like that's how cold it was. Yeah. Like that is, I'm talking from experience. Like that is, that is how cold it is right now. And that's like the kind of conditions they were playing in this game. And again, like Miami historically and i think if you go through like some of the teams like miami is definitely the one team that i think this is a problem for because i mean it's miami like it's it's florida and is is there a way that like what do you have to do differently when you know these conditions are happening because like this this weather they knew it was happening do you have to change like do you have to fly up there early and just be in there all week and just mess up your routine? Do you have to like find times throughout the year to just be training in cold weather so that way you're somewhat acclimated? Like if you're Miami, do you have to make an adjustment to the fact that you know, if we want to be a good team, we may have to do this. And I don't I don't know if this is just like bad luck that this is how it's happened, but you know, like the last 20 years, Brady was the guy you had to beat in the AFC in the playoffs. That means you're going to New England in January. And right now, I mean, the Chiefs are the three seed, but you're still going to have to go to KFC, or I almost said KFC. You're still going to have to go to KC <laughs> in January <laughs> to play a playoff game, and it's just going to be cold. So I don't know if that's yeah. bad luck that that's where the good quarterbacks ended up. But if you're Miami, do you have to make an adjustment? Big picture thinking, we're going to have to, like if we want to make a Super Bowl run, we're going to have to go through one of these cold weather places. You're going to have to sacrifice your routine to be able to train in a place that's going to like simulate what kind of weather you're going to get because like they're the, Florida, the one of the warmest weather states in the US, they don't have to play a single cold game unless they play a division rival in November. And I mean, all three mm-hmm. of the division rivals are in cold weather states when it comes towards the end of the season. But I don't think they really played a cold game in the regular season this year. So when you like the most important game of the season, you go into the playoffs, you're trying to stay alive. You It's a eliminated and you go home you have to you probably would have to fly up early 
be able to practice there in the cold weather because you can like mock like your game plans around it being cold. So like you're going to run the ball a lot more and not throw as much, but it, it's going to feel so much different if you're practicing in 70 degree heat uh, compared to like a 15 below zero, like that game was. So you can only do so much while you're in Miami. You're going to have to sacrifice that routine to get up north and, and get somewhere cold. If you just like go back and look through the last couple of years of teams that have actually won the two warm weather based teams, you know, the warm weather centric teams that have actually gone through and done it have been Tampa Bay when they won the Super Bowl, but they had Tom Brady, who again was the cold weather guy. But I think if you look at that playoff run too, they didn't necessarily have to go into like Super Bowl, super cold weather. They went to Green Bay, but it wasn't terrible. And the Rams as well, too, when they won a couple of years ago, they did their playoff run. They played Arizona, Tampa, and San Francisco. So, I mean, again, like it's not guaranteed that you're going to have to play a bitter cold, just blizzard or like blizzard level snow game. It's not guaranteed that there's just going to be like brutal winter conditions in the playoffs, but there, there is a really good chance of it. And again, like if you're Miami, you go, okay, maybe the best way to solve it is we just have to build best team, obviously get the one seed home field throughout the playoffs. Like, you know, that's obviously the the goal. But again, you, Mahomes in, K, in KC right now is the guy to beat. And that's the team that's probably going to be in home field or have a playoff game at some point. And I think that you have to prepare in some kind of other way. And I, and I was talking to Billy Buckets about this again, shout out to Billy Buckets, but he was, he was saying the same thing. Like, I think you have to break out of your routine. You have to, like you're saying, you know, do something, train something different. And I think too, like, I mean, it's 2024 now, like, is your routine really going to be that thrown off if you fly in the in the United States from Miami to Kansas City on a Monday instead of a Friday? I, the accommodations now are to the point where I don't feel like it's an issue where maybe the cross maybe the cross country thing is one thing, but I mean Miami to Kansas City, Miami to New England, Miami to any cold weather spot, I feel like travel is just not going to be a thing that you can factor in as a negative more so than the weather that they're going to be playing in. Yeah, like when it comes to those weather conditions, it's something you just have to do. And even if it's negative or positive, you got to you gotta realize that what needs to be done to win an NFL playoff game needs to be done. It's not obviously within the lines of being legal. But, uh, yeah, flying in the U.S., especially for a corporation as big as the NFL and teams who have a bunch of money, it's really not that big of a difference when it comes to flying on a Monday to, or a Friday. It's definitely going to change up the routine, especially since you want to try to treat a playoff game like another game when it, when you're training, otherwise mm -hmm. the pressure and everything's just going to throw you off. But what needs to be done needs to be done. If you got to fly early to get into a cold weather state to be able to practice, to simulate the game conditions, you're just going to have to do it. And uh, obviously it took Miami by shock and they weren't able to really put together anything in this game. Do you like two on the team next year? If they run I it think back you, to two one more year? I think you still got to run it back. Like their whole, their offense is based on uh, big plays, whether it's rushing or offense. Like I think A-Chan had like an average of like 10 plus yards per carry mm. this year. And then uh, Tyreek, the leading receiver in the NFL with like 17.99 or something like that. Uh, they throw the ball down the field more than anybody else. And they're going to succeed. That's what they had to do. I feel like they're just going to have to continue to do that in these coming years. So yeah, I would keep Tua.
I think they have at least one more season on the rookie contract. So there is a little bit of time to figure it out. And like he's, we're saying there was at least some success in the, the regular season this year. And another quarterback that I think they're going to run it back with, but maybe the fans or are going to be, again, a little, a little sketched out about it at this point. And moving into the Sunday games now, the first game that took place on Sunday, and again, to continue with the, the big scoring margins, the Packers just wiped the floor with the Cowboys in this one. I think the Cowboys end up bringing, you know, there's some garbage time points. And I think they closed the scoring gap a little bit by the end. But for the most part, I mean, you know, 20, 30 point game through the majority of it. And I mean, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago during that Cowboys Lions game when the ref does the whole thing, the player checks in, the ref misses it, they screw up, the Cowboys end up winning the game. You know, is you what like what kind of influence does the league have? You know, again, we're not saying the league is rigged or the league is necessarily scripted, but what is what is going on? And I I guess I didn't anticipate that. The, the league was rigged against the Cowboys. I think everybody thought maybe that the league would be rigged for the Cowboys, but this is, this is just the script, right? Cause it's just, I mean, I felt like I was back at every other year in a Cowboys playoff game. And this from a scoring standpoint was the worst one, obviously, but again, just sitting there being like, wait a second, this team had hopes and dreams and like, was like, Ooh, maybe this is the year where we actually can get something going. No, this team is actually the best team that we've had recently. I think we can actually make a run this year. And then I don't want to say right away, but pretty quickly, you know, Dak is throwing the pick. And then the, I think the pick six also was, you know, early second quarter as well too. And that's really when the game started, you could really see where it was going for the Cowboys. So, I mean, this is it, this is it for the Cowboys, right? Like this is just their script for these NFL years. Is there anything they can do to break this cycle? Do we need I mean, new writers? For sometimes, the NFL? sometimes I'll get on board with like the NFL scripts and stuff. But I'm going to let my Cowboys bias get in the way. The Cowboys in the playoffs have not been good since probably 1996. And, mm. I mean, I know I'm not the only one who saw this coming. I bet on the Packers this game. But, <laughs> of course, I bet on the Packers this game. Like, this Cowboys team in the playoffs is awful. Like, their playoff losses are, have just proven three things to me. And the third one's kind of, que- like, not really a playoff. But the first one is Dak needs yeah. to go. Second one oh. is Mike McCarthy needs to go. And the third one is oh. like obviously in the first year as a running back, Tony Pollard cannot be trusted to be the the lead back. He he's got to mm. be behind somebody else. And with the Cowboys, like he he threw for three hundred and three yards in this game and three touchdowns, and it's still not enough. Like it's it's got to it's coaching or game planning or something. But Dak in big pressure moments has never been it, and he's just proved it time and time and again. And for a team who's consistently in the playoffs to keep a quarterback who has shown you that he can't get the job done when he needs to get it done, I don't understand why he's still on the team. And, and a coach like Mike McCarthy, who has set up game plans all year, they went 8-0 at home. And their first home loss of the season was to the worst-seeded NFC team in the playoffs. Like, it's just like you can't have that happen as an NFL franchise and expect to be, like, respected as, like, a powerhouse team. So Dak now, and I think one of the things that Sam was really focused on this year with Dak was, I mean, he was turning 30 this year. So, you know, big picture for where you're at in the arc of your career, you're kind of supposed to be in a spot by 30. And if you look at the quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl since 2000, uh, their first Super Bowl 
after the age of 30, you've got Brad Johnson won it in Tampa. And I think that Tampa Bay Bucks team as well, too, was uh, I think everybody understands the defense that team had. You've got Drew Brees on the Saints. Sean Payton paid the players. Did they cheat? Who knows? You've got Matt Stafford when he won the Super Bowl on the Rams a couple seasons ago. And then you've got Peyton Manning, who won two Super Bowls post-30. And Dak's obviously not Peyton Manning, but Peyton's an interesting one because if you look at the the playoff numbers before that Super Bowl run and even in, in that Super Bowl run, but some of the playoff numbers that he had before that were, you know, they were definitely not to what he was putting up in the regular season. And Dak, again, is not Manning, but this season, like, Dak was, was Dak good this regular season? Because the thing is, Dak seemed, it did seem like he took a little bit of a level up. And, you know, when he was throwing the interceptions in, in that game, it was making me think about when we were, you know, here week two after that Cardinals game or maybe week three, and he threw that pick over the middle in the end zone at the end of the game, cost him the game, and he was kind of making those same mistakes again in this Packers one. But, I mean, for the most part of the season, like, the thing that I don't understand was, was wasn't Dak Prescott not one of the better quarterbacks in the league this year? I mean, like throughout the whole season, like he was one of the better, he was one of the better NFL quarterbacks. And he was like on Like, I hate the Cowboys so much, but he was starting to change like the narrative on the Cowboys and like how I felt about them. And then as soon as we get to the playoffs, it's just, it's the same old Dak and the same old Cowboys. But yeah, he was an MVP candidate at one point. He was, I think he was the favorite at one point yeah. through the season. He had like a five game stretch of one of the best, most efficient passers in the NFL. And then just, of course, we get to the playoffs and they, they straight up just shit the bed. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And that's that's the part about this that seems the worst because the other Dak Prescott Cowboys moments have all been kind of moments. And the games have seemed to have been competitive. And there were, you know, I think times in all of those matchups where like, okay, maybe this team should have won. And I know this team was on paper the better team going into the game. But you're right. Like, there's just, no way that they should have won this game. This game wasn't close. Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb were not in sync. I don't think, I know some of the Micah Parsons numbers were not great. I don't think he necessarily played poorly in this one. And I don't like, you, you're saying he has to go. So do you think, is is there a team that Dak works on? Because again, like you put, you know, Brad Johnson, I think Dak is definitely, like he may not be Manning, but he's definitely not Brad Johnson either. Like you're saying he was an MVP candidate this year. So is it just the Cowboys need to start fresh and Dak, there's still hope for him somewhere else? Or is it all of these guys, this was it for them? Like, this was their last draw? I mean, with Dak going up in age and, like, this can sound, like, shitty, but, like, he'd work on a team that doesn't make the playoffs. Like, in the, in the mm. regular season, it's almost year after year, he's, like, a top-five quarterback, and the second he hits a game that he has to win, he can't do it. So I, I just don't know, like, there's – there's not a lot of, in my opinion, there shouldn't be a lot of front offices or teams that should be like, oh, that's the quarterback I want on my team. No, like you play the entire season to make a postseason game. Like they were grateful enough that the Eagles shit the bed so bad that they ended up with the two seed and won the NFC East. And then their way of showing everybody that they're worth that two seed and winning the division is losing by 16 to the Green Bay Packers who got in by half a game. Would you trade Russell Wilson for Dak right now? And that's an interesting one, too, because of where Russell Wilson's at. But, I mean, we know where you just stand on Prescott. Would you bring him in for the Broncos? I'd, I, 
One year for, left in his contract. For the regular season, if we can if we can play him as the regular season quarterback and then bench him in the first round of the playoffs, I'll bring him in. Put Stidham in for the playoffs. Put uh, yeah. Stidham put anyone else. Si- resign Ben DiNucci. Give me Trace McSorley. Fuck it. Even sign Colin Kaepernick. Sign anybody other than Dak oh. for a playoff game. So you're saying Bill Belichick and Colin Kaepernick save the Cowboys. <laughs> A, a quarterback that can win in the postseason and, and a coach that can game plan them the correctly in the postseason. Do you and have just, anybody in mind? I mean, not off it, the top of my head. I, the only thing that comes to mind is not Dak Prescott. Like, my, my brain just goes straight to, like, the who shouldn't be there instead of who should. You think, do you think Belichick works on the Cowboys? Him <sighs> and Jerry Jones? I mean, it would kind of suit... It, it would depend, like... I don't know how to judge Bill Belichick anymore because for so long, Brady kind of ran the show and they did so well. And the second he left, it's just been a steady decline with him at the helm. So I don't, I don't know how to properly rank Bill Belichick. Like he's obviously one of the greatest football minds in the sport currently, and maybe of all time, Mm -hmm. but he on a team where he has to produce talent on the field, like that's not going to happen. So maybe if he comes to the Cowboys where there's already talent there, he can make something happen. Trey Lance, you want to see him give Trey Lance a shot? Could they have just put Trey Lance in that game? Just seeing what happens? After they went down by 27? Yeah, probably. And the Pollard thing, wait, well, I guess before we mentioned Pollard, McCarthy, is there, so there, is there a candidate, ideal head coach candidate for the Cowboys? I mean, the, there's Brable, Belichick, Belichick. There's, there's Mr. Jim Harbaugh, your guy who I know you don't want to leave and I don't want him to leave either. But the fact that you think they get Ben Johnson interviews, that could be a, that could be a shot. I just Ben Johnson, he's going to be so coveted by so many teams. It's going to be hard. Would you want to go if you're the most coveted coordinator? Would you want to go work for the Cowboys as the head coach? I mean, with how with how they were in the regular season, yes. Mm, it's just okay. so hard to judge them because they looked so good almost the whole year. And then they lose to the nine and eight Packers. And the Pollard thing was disappointing as well, too, because I think we were both super high on him for him. I, I think I no, was probably you were super high. I on was him. super high on him. I, I tried to humble you and you didn't listen to me. But you still thought he was going to be top 10. Yeah, I still, yeah, top 10 with how like he broke out last season in a backup role, like you just, I expected him to do so much better. And then he gets the brunt of the carries and everything. He's still kind of a factor in the past game. And like, like in this game, he had seven receptions, 29 yards, no touchdowns, mm. but uh, like he was still, he's still been a factor in both sides of the, of the offense. Like he was as a backup and it just hasn't been the same production. And I don't understand what changed. If it's pressure, if it's how they're trying to game plan him now is like somebody who, who's only going to like touch the ball on big plays. And now instead he's the guy who's going to touch the ball a majority of the game. I don't know what changed. It seemed like he changed his running style this year a little bit. I mean, he just was super explosive the last couple of years. And maybe that is where they're designing plays for him. And the, the space is more available for him to operate, but it just seemed like he was more and being a more patient runner is not always a bad thing, but just more, you know, patient runner, that kind of like pause behind the line and try to like digest where everything's going. And then, you know, kind of hit the hole afterwards pause versus just 
being like an explosive running back the year before. I I just it felt like the he was more in like a doing like a Le'Veon Bell impersonation, like more on that end than being more, you know, just like a a, a one a, a one cut back like he was before. So it looks like this season he averaged five point seven yards per carry, and then. I'm going to try to find 2022. Oh, no, this year he averaged four, four yards per carry. Mm. Uh, in 2022, he was 5.2, and in 2021, he was 5.5. Uh, and it looks like uh, in 2021, he only had 130 carries. In 2022, he had 193. Uh, and then this year he had 252, and he actually had almost 60 more carries this year from last year and did not even reach his his rushing record by two yards he's two yards short i just pulled it up i'm looking at it yeah i just don't understand where the production went like he's getting more opportunities and he's not taking advantage of it or like you said like being more patient hasn't got him the looks that he needs to get to be able to be productive i don't know so you're saying tony pollard system running back he might be like he's he's kind of shown that he kind of is unfortunate for the fantasy people i'm very you know that's the thing with fantasy is i i am very lucky that somebody drafted him like fortunately i don't know if we want to shout out our guy rissy but rissy was a little bit higher on tony pollard than i was because he drafted him a couple of spots ahead. like i w- i was going to take tony pollard in the second round tony pollard was off the board it ended up being aj brown so yeah. I had Tyreek Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown. Number three yeah. rushing or receiving yard guy on the year. Two years in a row, I should have won the league. Last year I had Justin Jefferson and he had like 38 yards in the championship game. This year, Tyreek Hill gets out was yeah. out with injury in the first round of the playoffs. And I think AJ Brown, maybe was something was going on with him that week too. I don't think he necessarily uh, performed. I think maybe I... Something with Lamar was that that was just a bad week for my team in general, and I yeah, got eliminated. I, but I will say for fantasy, like I was, I was never high on Pollard in the second round. Like if there was ever a draft where he would get to the third, and I'd take him as like a running back two, I would probably take a chance on him. But like he was going as high as like the second or third overall pick in the second round, and to me that just didn't really like seem like a great fit. Like I like he was great after he started as a backup, and then eventually took the number one role last year. But I still just think like the big of a gap that he jumped in the fantasy drafts was still too high. I would have taken him in the first round if Tyreek Hill wasn't available. But again, sometimes you sometimes you get lucky with uh, this stuff. I would have <laughs> taken Bijan if he was there too. Did you ended up with you ended up with Bijan? And yeah, I ended up with Bijan, and it looked like it was going to be the best pick I ever made for the first like, three games of the year. And then of course. The Mr. Mustache, Arthur Smith, just had to ruin everyone's hopes and dreams if, with a player who played for the Falcons. And I'm hoping that'll change with the coaching switch, but we'll see. I honestly don't even know what happened with my fantasy prep this year because I went in with a list where my team was going to be like Bijan, Devontae Adams, Waddle, Tony Pollard. And then draft the draft happened. I just panicked and just took all the guys I like. I took Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown. I just like take A.J. Brown every year. That's, and, I mean, uh, that's kind of every year when it comes to fantasy <laughs> yeah. game plan. Took, you write a script and then you go in, you're like, holy shit, this isn't going to work because my friends are dumb and I'm going to have to change <laughs> every single pick that I'm going to make. I was like, Fataport told me Lamar is going to be the MVP of the league. Like, 
three hours ago. I don't know what to do with this information. I was going to take Justin Herbert. I and drafted who Lamar. was right? And who was yeah, right? My team was amazing. I was right. I should have won the league. Who won the Who won the league this year? Do we even know? Ethan. I tapped out once. My team was team was done. I'll be back next year though. I think good old Sullivan. It was it was him oh. versus uh, versus Austin in our championship. The eight seed mm. versus the six seed in our oh, fantasy championship. That just shows you what kind of year. Wait, so Sully Sully is the guy that beat me. So I lost to the champion. Is what you're saying? I think I think he's the one mm. that won. Which I hate the way he drafts because every year it's always five Cowboys players and then just a random receiver who goes off every single year. And I think he did the same thing. Yeah, some guys just uh. Sully's one of the receiver guys. There's like a, I know Champ is like the rookie receiver guy. Sully's kind of like the veteran receiver guy. He takes the old heads who end up reviving their career in the year that he picks them. Austin's the the auto draft guy. If you follow Ian Fadaport on Twitter, you guys can. Well, I know he's he's doing a, he's diversifying the portfolio, but every now and then, you know, I'm sure the fantasy stuff will be mentioned and if you guys want to give him a follow at Ian Fatterport, uh you guys can figure out what's going on in the fantasy leagues but the best game of the day I feel like we should mention who knows maybe we should have mentioned him first maybe uh IT needs to do a better job of planning the show but Lions Rams the one game of the week that was actually close Stafford versus Goff Goff ends up getting the win was this enough to say that the Lions won the trade I mean, it's it's worked out. It's honestly worked out for both teams. Like Stafford first year got a ring. So until Goff will do that, I don't know if you can necessarily say that the Lions win the trade. But like when the Rams wanted it to work, it did with Stafford and Aaron Donald had one of the best years of his career. Cooper Cut was the triple crown receiver threat of the year, offensive player of the year. So I think now they got what they wanted out of that trade, and now the Lions are starting to get what they wanted out of that trade. So I would I call it a win-win for both sides. And obviously, uh, the Rams would have liked for it to be on their side in this game, but they, they came up short by one. And one of the things from this game that I thought was funny to mention is that the passing leader, rushing leader, and receiving leader from this game all came from the Rams, and they still lost by one. Yeah. And I honestly, like, and we were, you know, we're going to do, we're going to do a little winner's draft here in a second. But as we were going through and writing down winners for each of the games, I did think that a majority of the better performances in this game did come from the Rams. Like, pause, oh, yeah. like the, like Stafford, I like golf was out, outstanding in this game, but Stafford now as just a playoff guy, I mean, this is back-to-back runs where again, they didn't win this game, but he was outstanding in this game. There have only been actually three, four games in NFL history, three before this were both quarterbacks in the playoff game, uh, three playoff games where the quarterbacks both had ratings, passer ratings of over 120. It was 2010 Aaron Rodgers versus Kurt Warner. I don't know if you remember that Packers Cardinals game, but it was like an overtime game, 45, 51. I think that was like the Rodgers had like the fumble in overtime. I forget who the Cardinals linebacker was that, broke through, sacked him, like stripped the ball, and then uh, got the recovery touchdown. And then 2015, again, Romo versus Rodgers. Romo oh, Romo ended up losing that one. Rodgers got the win. And then 2022, Josh Allen versus Pat Mahomes. Some people say maybe the best quarterback matchup we've seen in the playoffs. And I know this was that was divisional round, a little more drama at the end of the game. 
with the 13 seconds and all the scoring in the two minutes. But I think just pound for pound, the quarterback matchup in this one was pretty even. And I know like some of the numbers said that Stafford all year was, and especially at the end of the year too, was playing like the better ones in the league. But I mean, some of the throws he was making in this game and he always gets like the Stafford, you know, or like the Mahomes, like if, if Mahomes did this, you know, everybody would be going crazy and Stafford's just, doing it on a daily basis. But I mean, this was another game where Stafford in a big moment, like I don't necessarily feel, I, I don't feel any down, like down on the Rams in any way after this one. I do. I do feel like these were, I don't want to say the two best teams in the, in the, you know, the wildcard weekend. Cause the other teams that won did play super well too, but for the NFC, maybe this weekend, I do feel like these were the two best teams in the NFC with the Niners not playing. I agree with you there. And like, uh, I especially agree that like, I wouldn't take this game as a big negative for the Rams, even though they did lose. Uh, it just seemed like the Lions kind of played like a Mike Tomlin role where they, they played good and golf was great, but they did hmm. just enough they needed to do to win. And that's kind of like what the Steelers have been known for other than obviously their game against the Bills this year. But uh, with, yeah, with this Rams game, like Puka Nakua, he was nine for 81 with a touchdown. He was averaging he averaged 20 yards per reception and he had the best rookie playoff game in the history of the NFL when it comes to receivers. So uh, this is just the start for this team. Like I think their, their preseason rank, everything's going to be a lot higher going into next season. Their expectations are going to be higher because of not only the veterans they have in Cooper cup and Matthew Stafford, but to have the young guy, the young rookie and Puka Nakua and even Kyron Williams who came onto the scene out of nowhere, pretty much seemed like, this is a team that if they can get their defense together, keep Aaron Donald around, add some secondary help, they could be pretty scary next year. So I, I wouldn't take this as a negative, take this in the next season, keep the momentum rolling. And this was even hard to like go through and go back and watch and even try to figure out like from a coaching, from a game plan, from a play calling standpoint, like what went wrong? Because even with the, even with Kyron Williams, like I think they ran the ball well in this game and you could say that they, okay, maybe they run the ball a little bit more, but Again, with the way Stafford was playing in this one, like playing like one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I mean, just like the spiral on the ball, like the ball was not moving. Like it was just like perfect flight, like every time. Like, I don't know if Stafford was the best quarterback this weekend, but definitely like the most picture perfect passes from any of the guys. So maybe I like, I maybe like better corners, you know, get better corners in the off season or something, or, you know, just the, the corners that they have there, everybody on that defense outside of Donald is a younger player. So, yeah. you know, everybody returning for another year is maybe the thing, but I think it was brutal for either of these teams that they had to play each other. Maybe honestly, like the Rams in Tampa, was it just, was it just the matchups again? Like you were saying to start the pod, the bucks and the Eagles, the Eagles were not playing well to end the year, but the Rams you know, playing as well as they did in the loss, looking like one of the better teams in the league and the bucks as well too. And Baker Mayfield looked outstanding this week against the Eagles. Was it, was it just the matchups like you were saying, or are these teams like, do we actually have to worry about the bucks now against the, against the lions this week is Baker Mayfield versus Goff the, the new, is this, this the new quarterback duels that we're looking for Stafford Goff next week. And then Mayfield Goff this week. I don't know if I necessarily would fear like the Bucks coming into Detroit and playing this game. I kind of attribute like like Baker Mayfield's been playing the game the way he's been playing this season is a perfect example 
of what you have to do to beat the Eagles, especially with the injuries in their secondary and just mm. the overall collapse of their entire team in the last like six weeks of the year. Uh, I think it was just like perfectly suited to play to beat this team. And when it comes to the Lions and quarterbacks, the only real trouble they have against quarterbacks this year has been quarterbacks who run the ball and the dual threats. So now that they won't have to play a team like the Eagles and they're going to come in and play or the Bucks are going to come in and the Lions will have to play a guy who likes to throw the ball, string it out in the air a lot. I still would definitely take the Lions in this game. I don't fear the Bucks coming into it, but it, it might be closer than you would seem it would be on paper with how the Bucks have been playing the last couple weeks of the season. Do you trust, just bigger picture, do you trust the Lions defense to get a stop? I don't know if we can, I don't, I don't even know if we can say that it's a good defense. Like it's hard to say like Puka Nakua had an amazing game. I know the, you know, the secondary, at least some of the cornerback spots can be a weakness. I like Melifongwu back there as a mm. safety. And I know champ is a big uh, Kirby Joseph guy, but just like on a third down in a big moment, say they're playing the Niners in the NFC championship game. Like, do you, do you feel good about the Lions defense in big spots like that to make plays? Uh, in recent years, uh, I would tell you no, but honestly, with this defense, how they're kind of shaping up to be, I trust them more than I usually would. Uh, I do think that their, their secondary, other than C, uh, Gardner Johnson, is pretty young uh, with the amount of experience that everybody has there. Cam Sutton, I know, was beat on a long one by Puka in this game. I remember seeing yeah. that. That was one of the bigger plays. He's had I think, down here. I think their secondary will be able to keep up against the Bucks. Uh the guys that were rushing the quarterback, especially like Aiden Hutchinson, he had two TFLs and uh, two sacks, five quarterbacks hits in this game. He was a he was a guy who came off the edge and was a threat to Stafford. And that's, I guess that's kind of how you can attribute to how they won. I still, like like you said, I still don't know how they won this game. And I don't know how the Rams lost when you go back and watch it. It's just kind of like something that happened. It's like there's not really a, a good explanation for it. But I, I trust them enough to try to make those plays if it comes to like a third and short or something big in a moment where they're going to have to force a stop. I could definitely see them doing it. The Hutchinson thing has just been ridiculous for this team because he he's like the one guy that has passed through Michigan recently. Pause that like I would say that I would want to be on the that I wish was on the national title team that had won this yeah. year. Like if Hutchinson because he was homegrown Michigan guy. His dad had played at Michigan and they'd gotten close, obviously with the TCU matchup. Uh, well, I guess he wasn't on the team uh, at that point. That would have been his rookie year last year, but the, they'd gotten close beating Ohio state the couple seasons before that. And if he, if he had been on the team, that would have been clutch to see, but he didn't get like the sack numbers, like the total sack numbers this year to like be like up there with the league leaders, but all of the other pressure numbers, like the, you know, just the overall pressures, QB hits, all, all of the other pressure, like win rate metric stuff. He was basically top of the league, number one throughout all of the major defensive line categories. So, and you just watch like his ferocity rushing the passer is almost unstoppable one-on-one -on -one versus, you know, any left tackle. And he's going to be, he's, he's just a guy where he is a guy where I just think that in a third down, a big moment, I think Hutch could just get to the quarterback whenever he wants. He's just going to make scary. a big play. Yeah. It's like, like scary Hutch is, how he can just, come through the pause how he could just like pull rush <laughs> yeah. through the line. Like if I'm a quarterback, that's one of like the 10 guys in the NFL. I don't want staring at me coming on me. Okay. Wait, this is going to sound so bad. Super coming pause. at me alone. Yeah. Fuck it. I don't care. Flip it. No, you just throw a pause. It's it is what it is. No, I'm it's, good. Um, 
I feel like I feel like half of the things that are said. I mean, you listen to Collinsworth. Collinsworth is doing like an X-rated moaning broadcast every <laughs> Sunday night. So every time he watches Mahomes, he gets a little. A little I think there. that's why they're moving the games to Peacock, just because Collinsworth is so aggressive on these broadcasts, talking about <laughs> Jordan Love. People are gonna have to start paying to watch it. They can't show it to the kids. It's uh, have to give it an R rating before people start to watch the game. Did you have any parting thoughts for the Eagles before we get to the winners' draft? Do you think Sirianni still keeps his? Is he still there next time we do this? I think he's still. I don't really know. He's still the coach that I feel like needs to be there for that team and that culture. Like they've done so well ever since he's got there up until the last like seven games. They've won one and six in their last seven, including this playoff game. Up until then, they were a very solid team with with uh, Hurts and the Eagles. And as soon as he got there, they they went all the way, lost to the Super Bowl by a couple points. I don't think that this collapse ends up with him losing his job, but it's definitely going to be a question mark going into the next season whether he still has it by the end of next year. And it, so it just seems he's like on the he's clock lost, now. Yeah, it just seems like he's lost the locker room, and Jalen Hurts isn't able to take control of it either. And honestly, hmm. if I'm a player on that team, and this make I'm passionate about this. If every okay. time we lose, our quarterback takes the mic and goes, "This is just a learning process. We'll be coming back." I would probably hit him because, like, how many times do you have to say it until you actually do it? Huh? Like you, you lose, like losing to a team like the Giants and in, in like a controversial play, game to decide playoff seating, you lose to a third string quarterback and a bunch of receivers that they probably just went to Walmart and took them off of the hourly wage shift and you lose. And I know their secondary was beat up, but like the caliber of the team you have, you can't afford to do that. And when you do that, things like this are going to happen. And now everybody's questioning the ability of Jalen Hurts. Everybody's questioning the coaching ability of Nick Sirianni. And apparently AJ Brown's now being the biggest fucking diva mm-hmm. on the team, deleting all of his Eagle stuff on Instagram. I'm assuming this off season, we're going to see him wanting to, wanting to get a trade somewhere it's it's going so downhill and they have so little time to try to put this back together and there was some like secret practice stuff with hurts not saying like hurts people the locker room was turning on hurts but there was i mean was it just me but there i thought there was like some stuff that was starting to you know there was some rumblings that were starting to happen about the eagles locker room i mean there was a player players only meeting at one point during the regular season so i guess they weren't just rumblings, but speaking of Philly quickly, one Oh one eleven to one Oh seven versus the nuggets. They're in the fourth quarter right now. Nuggets are still on top, but again, this game just continues to be right neck and neck. I call myself I did, a nuggets I, fan, but this will probably be a game where I look up like the highlights and stuff for it. You got to go watch. Get, so like, and beat and Jokic on the, on the court like that. Like I know enough about the NBA to know that that's a good matchup. For the big NBA games, the NBA on their YouTube channel does this thing called like fantastic finishes. So if any game is, you know, close in the fourth quarter, last seven, eight minutes, they'll just throw it up on the YouTube channel and you can watch the end of the game. It's actually pretty clutch. I mean, you get, especially in the regular season, just a good, you know, eight minute chunk of the fourth quarter. You're watching a lot of, you know, good basketball there with. uh, I'll probably do that. Yeah. If that game gets put up there, that's probably. I'll either look for that or if they like, I know the NFL after their games will post like a 12 minute, like just like mm-hmm. a summary of highlights. And that's they have probably, those too. Yeah. That's probably what I'll look for. That's what I usually like to watch. One ten, one eleven now. And B checks back in the game. Seven and a half minutes left. 
there was one person at the Eagles Bucks game that I did think made an interesting appearance. And people were saying that Lincoln Riley was there. You know, he's watching the quarterbacks that he coached, you know, Baker Mayfield being a big one, but Jalen hurts. He did transfer in there, played under Lincoln Riley as well. Pause. And if you're just looking at a situation you want to go to as a coach, I think the, especially, you know, if you're going to leave USC in college as well too, the Eagles job, Coaching Jalen Hurts is a guy that you wanted, you know, once coached in college. Lincoln Riley to Philly? Does Philly have to make that move if if that's on the table? I it depends because like is Philly confident to like excuse me to bring in a coaching staff built around Jalen Hurts with how big of a downfall he's had this season, or is their narrative by the end of next season going to be to get away from Hurts? Like it just depends. It really depends on next season. I think they're on the clock now. I don't think that like this stretch has decided to be like, oh, these guys aren't these guys aren't built to be in Philly, but it puts them under it, it puts them in like the witching hour. Like, oh, shout out Scott Hanson for yeah uh, the the red zone stuff. But like, this is the witching hour between now and the end of next season. Mm-hmm. Everything they do in those games are going to be watched and will decide whether they both have jobs by the end of next season. So, if it gets to that point, if Hurts is good and the game plan sucks and it's all coaching. Maybe Lincoln Ryland to Philly. I don't know if he'd come in as an OC quarterback coach or a head coach. I don't know if he would make that coach. jump. From I think he has to be head coach. College, college head coach to NFL head coach. I think if you're bringing in Lincoln Riley, I think he's the head guy. Yeah, he has. I mean, yeah, he has the resume to do that. Head coach at Oklahoma. Head coach at USC. Arguably Heisman one winners. of the best quarterback prospects in the history of the NFL. Was coached under him. The, only, the reason I think that that could be of all of the other potential candidates, an interesting one. And especially, you know, it's not just the connection between those two guys, but I do think that the loss of Shane Steichen is big for this offense. And I think it's big for Hertz specifically as well too. And Steichen didn't just do it with Hertz. He did it with Herbert. He was the guy that was there with the initial Herbert years, kind of developed him. And he was there the last two seasons with the Eagles. So I know the 21 season was, you know, a development season for Hertz, but their last year when he was there, it really seemed like, I think everybody that watched that Philly team just knew that play calling was on point all year. And you watch mm-hmm. the Colts this year, like we said, even in that Texans game, I still think we liked the stuff that they did even on that last oh, yeah. drive. And I, I do think that that was a major loss for this team. So I'm interested to see, like you're saying, Hurts now year two without Steichen. What does that look like? And if you're trying to fix Jalen Hurts and still build around him and build that way, because there's still a lot of you know amazing young talent there, a guy like Lincoln Riley, you know, a, a play calling focus guy where Sirianni is an offensive coordinator too, but I think a, yeah. you know, a real play caller, high level play caller would be, I think the, the move to make, if they were to make a move. I would argue that even like the loss of Gannon on their, as their defensive coordinator would probably even gave him a bigger impact. Like they had mm. two close games against the commanders, which should have never happened. They lose a game to the giants down the stretch because their defense just played poorly. Uh, and like a, like a big thing in like the last six games, like their defense was not able to try to keep games close for their offense to succeed. Gannon leaving and going to the Cardinals, and obviously like he didn't have the result that they wanted in Arizona, but he played a huge impact on the defense last year for the for the Eagles, and that's how they got to the Super Bowl. Is they played great defense, and their offense was able to capitalize on that. This year, it's been a combination of just shitty play calling on offense and the defense not being able to help them out. Like if, if one's not going to work, the other one has to. And when you have neither, that's that's how you lose games. Like you start eight and one, nine and one, and then you just completely shit the bed because the defense 
either got too cocky or just was awful. Well, the last thing we wanted to do really quickly was a, a wild card winner's draft. So we're each going to draft quickly. I think we're not going to do like a full draft. We're going to go three apiece, top three guys. So I guess, six, you know, top six guys, top five plus one bonus guy for the wild card weekend. This was shout out to Fataport. This is a little Fataport segment. And I think I kind of like it. I think maybe we'll run this back for divisional, you know, conference, maybe mm-hmm. a Super Bowl if we get five guys that really pop off. Who knows? But at least for the wild card weekend, we'll do a, a quick winner's draft to wrap off. You, it was your idea. Do you want the first pick? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'll go first. Uh, I think the first guy off the board I'm going to take is Puka. Number Nikola. one winner. Number oh, one sorry, winner, I'm taking Puka. That was my number one as well. Yeah, uh, nine receptions, 181 yards, a touchdown. He has uh, – it was the 19th most receiving yards in a playoff game and the most receiving yards by a rookie in a playoff game in NFL history. Uh, unfortunately, they did lose, but he played amazing. He he was able to just tear that secondary apart, and I think he definitely had the biggest impact on the team regardless of a win or loss this week. It's sad that I just want to draft all the Rams guys as my top three winners. I want to draft, I want to draft Stafford as the number one winner off the board, but I think Puka definitely, because like, to be honest, when the all pro or when the pro bowl team was announced and Puka was on there versus over like, you know, I think Amon Ra and even I know DJ Moore with the game that he had against the commanders in the season that he had on the bears as well, too. I know Puka had the overall numbers, but I was a little like, okay, you know, Rams offense, Stafford, the usage, We've seen a guy have big numbers before. He's a rookie, maybe just reward the veteran. But I mean, this playoff, this this game was like completely validating, I think, to Puka's season. And they're, I think they've only been tracking yards after catch since like 2018. But only Debo Samuel and Tyreek Hill are the only other receivers to have 100 plus yards after the catch in a playoff game. And, you know, I hate to do like big historical comparisons, but I test just watching it. You know what this game, or this performance for Puka like really reminded me of there was one other receiver playoff performance and it was the, the Larry Fitzgerald. I don't know if you remember, but the Cardinals Packers, I forget if it was like a wild card or divisional round. It was a Carson Palmer team. And I think right. it might've even been that year that the Paul, I think it might've been that 2015 season when they lost to the or the Carolina in the conference championship game. But Fitzgerald just had like an incredible game where he was doing the same thing. And, you know, kind of similar to like just big guy, maybe doesn't like test out as the fastest guy, but he's going to run an amazing route and he's just going to like break every tackle, bounce off of people. I Larry Fitz is like high praise, but I test wise, you get the the hair out of the back of the helmet too a little bit. <laughs> is Larry Fitz by vibes kind of right for Puka? I mean, yeah, it's like, like uh, just a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? consistent like he's reliable like yeah. he has he's, he's not going to drop the he's not going to drop the ball almost ever uh like you said he's going to find open space be a very good route runner and uh break tackles and that's exactly what you can ask for out of a receiver i know in the nfl we're kind of shifting to like the fastest guys who can go up and catch the ball are are usually the successful ones but if you can get a reliable guy who's not going to drop the ball and can just find ways to get open that's I would almost prefer that almost any other wide receiver type in the NFL. Well, for my first pick, 
I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to stick with offense. I do want to just take also all just like all receivers, big uh, receiver week this week. There's a couple of young quarterbacks to choose from. I think for me, I think Jordan Love had the most validating performance of the week just because, you know, I don't want to say picks, but the other, the other young quarterback that you could potentially pick from, like I, you know, we, we did the, Early in the season, we did the, is he a top 10 quarterback in the league? We're already pretty high on him. And I did like Jordan. I really did like Jordan Love a lot coming into the season. But to have to finish the year the way he did and then to stamp it in the playoffs, like this team, this that's really kind of all they needed. And I know, you know, they're going to obviously compete in this Niners game. I think they're going to be feisty as well, too. That could be a really competitive one. But getting a playoff win was like absolutely of one thing that he needed to stick around long term. Then to dominate the Cowboys as well too. <laughs> yeah, it was. Def- I have him up there on my list as well. Like I agree with everything you just said. He had a he had a great game. Uh, he was able to push the ball down the field, and uh, I think that that he just complimented well with how good their rushing game got in this game as well. He had a great game and uh, solidified himself as one of the youngest or one of the best younger quarterbacks going forward into the NFL. I really wanted to pick Dobbs out of this game, but you just picked the receiver. But I know, I know, you know, Bland has had some moments in coverage this year where if he doesn't get the pick, you know, he gives up the route. But Dobbs ran a route on Gilmore where he like went over the middle of the field and then like stopped and like went back outside. And it like Gilmore just kept on running over the middle of the field. Like he did not see Dobbs <laughs> turn at all, completely lost. And Gilmore, I think the consistency snap to snap has been a little bit higher this year. And he's kind of their go-to. We need to throw him on a guy to lock him down. And Dobbs just completely lost him. He had a big day. Kenny Clark, the defense. So, I mean, there's a lot of Packers. I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't want to say picks. Maybe you're going to choose another. Maybe you're going to choose another Packer with your second pick. I think. I think I'm going to go away from the Packers. I'm going to stay in the NFC uh, for my quarterback. I know we were talking about the younger quarterbacks, but I think I'm going to take Baker Mayfield. Uh, he was 22 for 36, 337, three touchdowns. And uh, this, like like I said plenty of times earlier, like his passing game this season has been perfectly built to beat the Eagles in the way that he did. And he's been probably a, arguably a top five passer in the NFL this season. And he just kept the ball rolling going into the playoffs. So I'm taking him with my second. And Mike Evans dropped like four passes in, in this game too. I mean, Baker Mayfield would have had an even better game. Mike Evans dropped that touchdown. Was that on the first drive? It was early in the game when he dropped early the touchdown. In the game. Yeah. And it's Mike Evans too. So they're all like deep shot chunk plays. Yeah. And they were like per they were like drop, drop it in, perfect passes. Baker was another another one where flight pattern, like spiral, passes look good. He really did play outstanding. I think so that's back that's back to back quarterbacks off the board. So I don't know if we want to take all quarterbacks. Let me go. Ooh, I just scrolled past a couple of names that I forgot about. Um, maybe a guy. Let's go. Okay, let's go. We're gonna go Christian Harris. He got he got a game ball from the Texans defense. Ended up with a pick six on Flacco yeah. in that game. I know. Was it Steven Nelson? Had the Steven other one. Nelson. Yeah, he had another. But Christian Harris as a just a, a wrecking havoc as a linebacker in this game. Obviously, you could take Stroud, too. Yeah. Nico Collins had a big one. Uh, pause. But Christian Christian Harris in this game, I think uh, just their defense in general, I think, is underrated. And 
maybe we'll preview oh, yeah. the Texans a little more in the Friday pod, but balance on this team. All of the teams that are left, you know, no surprise, are incredibly balanced, but the Texans being a balanced team at the end of the year is, I mean, just the all around the team is good. And I think there was three guys that they gave game balls to at the end of this one. And, you know, just I, every, every aspect of the game, this Texas team is just really, really solid. I agree with you there. Uh, for my third pick, I'm deciding if I should keep it on the offense side or go to defense. Hmm. I did just take defense, so yeah, I did quarterback and receiver. I think I'm gonna stick with defense as well. Okay. Um, I am going to do. There's a couple guys that you could really pick apart here. All right, I'm gonna stay on the Bucks. Uh, I'm gonna go with Carlton Davis. Oh, I had uh, the corners. Were... I had the corners down. As well. They were, yeah, they uh, he especially, there were a couple deep balls thrown towards Devontae Smith in this game. Uh, one, I remember this was later in the game, a uh, big shot into the end zone, where he was just all over him and broke up that pass. Mm-hmm. And he had he had uh, only two pass def- passes deflected, but uh, he had four total tackles as well. Uh, and that secondary just played great, and he was one of the leaders that was out there. So I, I just attribute to... Uh, the type of success that that secondary had to him. I know that Devonte Smith had a pretty big game. He ended. He was up, on my list. Uh, yeah, eight for 148. But other than that, there wasn't a real receiving threat on the Eagles. I'm gonna take Vic Fangio with my last pick. I know the Dolphins lost, but the, basically <laughs> their entire defense was out, and they still kind of played well. He still had guys blitzing. They couldn't, they couldn't get any pressure if they just rushed four. But with, if, when they blitzed, I mean, Fangio could still dial it up. So I mean, he's yeah. missing. I think Holland was out. Jalen Phillips has obviously been out. Bradley Chubb got hurt a couple weeks ago. Xavier Howard was out for this one. So with half the defense down, I think keeping the Chiefs offense out of the end zone a couple of times like they did, still pretty overall impressive. And really, I like we were saying, kind of the offensive incompetencies were the reason that the Dolphins came up short in this one. Uh, yeah, and as a Broncos fan, I really wish we would have hired him as a DC instead of a head coach when we did, just because I don't, he wasn't really built for the job yet. And mm, obviously it didn't yeah. work out, but he's a great defensive coordinator. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he was, I, I would have liked to see if we were going to hire any of our old head coaches back. I'd rather have hired him instead of Vance Joseph, but unfortunately, I don't get to make that type of decision. But yeah, I, I, he, he did great with what he had to, with what he had left to deal with. Harloftis also had a big game for the Chiefs in this one. McDuffie really had the Tyreek Hill assignment, and he gave up a big touchdown in this one. But there was also like a fourth down where he made a pass breakup and just overall played physical with Tyreek Pause and just did a good job. Rasheed Rice had a big day. TJ Watt, I had down from the Bills Texans or from the Bills Steelers game. I know he didn't play, but just time and time again when he's not out there showing us importance on the Steelers team, the Steelers defense giving up 31 points. You said uh, Devontae Smith already. Let me see. Was there anybody else I wanted to shout out quickly? He mentioned the, the Packers guys. And sacks too. 19 and a half, I think, was his total. TJ Watt. We could have said Hutchinson. We could have said Amon Ra. Josh Reynolds had a big day. So well, he had a pretty good game early, but he kind of died off towards the end. Lions offensive line. If you wanted to hand yeah. out an award to them, you could always do that. But uh, Skipper for actually uh, making sure that he overdramatically reported on uh, on a short red yeah. zone play. Huh. Let the refs know. 
So from the second that he stepped onto the green grass of the field to the moment he got to the ref, he was just reporting the entire time to make sure that the that the ref saw him. It was funny. And I don't even think I've seen that ref. Uh, shout out Brad Allen. I don't think I've even seen Brad Allen on the side as like an alternate official. No, I think they took him completely out of the playoffs after that. Tough, tough look for a guy, Brad yeah. Allen. Tough look for Fataport's Nuggets, who, as we wind down the pod here, Philly kind of pulled away a little bit. It's 123-115, just under three minutes left in the fourth quarter. So we're going to have to go back and rewatch and see what happened. But I did remember, I just off the top, I remember saying it was tied when Embiid checked back into the game. So who knows if Embiid takeover was the, the reason for that. So Fataport's going to go cry about his Nuggets uh, <laughs> losing the regular season matchup. Broncos not being in the playoffs. Iowa just being Iowa. You don't got to remind me, okay? <laughs> New teams just joining the Big Ten, making it even harder for conference realigning. Iowa's never going to win again. <laughs> shout out, Herky. Shout out uh, Shout out the Fataport Twitter. Again, if you guys want to go give him a follow. Follow Rem and Sam, too. We got Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Instagram. I mean, we're everywhere at Rem and Sam Pod. Give us five stars. If you don't want to follow, at least a five-star that's that that's the least that's the least we ask of you guys just right. a, just a little five-star review for listening to the pod so we'll be back friday and we're gonna do well i guess we're gonna record friday you guys can listen to it saturday we're gonna do the picks we're gonna do i think some big nba stuff as well too and i know we're gonna be recap recapping the divisional round with fataport next week and we may have talked to fataport about a little extension some some stuff that we're going to be working on in the off season you guys just want to stay tuned so like we said follow everything stay tuned there's some good stuff that we're cooking up and you guys are going to want to be a part of it so thank you for listening and be back next time yeah.